Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are all well. I hope that there's a little bit of sunshine in your life today, wherever you are. We are actually experiencing a little bit of rain here in the UK, which is all fine and good because we need it, so I'm told. And definitely so, I think so, for all the beautiful plants that are emerging in my garden. Now, life is a little bit like that, isn't it? It has stages and it has seasons. And sometimes we think that what is happening to us right now will last forever. And we can get very despondent and very sad. And what we should realize really, is that everything in this life is passing. Every moment is passing. And we as individuals can change our life in an instant. And in a way, we can change ourselves. And that doesn't mean to become something that we are not. But in fact, it means to become all that we truly are. And that always helps if we have the people around us that share that beauty and feel the beauty of us. And that's something that's really difficult, I think, in this in these times really to find in life. And that's why my guest today is rather special, I have to say. And I was very excited to have her come on today because she is exactly the type of person that we all need, I think, as a friend in life. And that is the lovely Lily Bulford. Now, Lily is an international dating coach, a relationship expert and love consultant. She does many more things, which she will tell you about. Now, Lily does a lot of coaching and she employs a combination of psychology and behavioral change to help her clients find real, honest, and genuine love. Lily herself broke free from an abusive relationship, which then led her to start her own journey of understanding and hopefully being able to set up healthy and loving relationships, which she's now helping other people do as well. She left her corporate job as an accountant and set up Love with Intelligence. I love that title, actually. Lily has formulated a strategy for women and men to attract the partner of their dreams 
having worked with hundreds of people individually, as well as working with dating agencies and a large UK charity. During her research, she made a discovery, a way for women and men to ensure beyond a reasonable doubt that they are attracting a partner who is safe. This led her to partnering with an expert in behavioural profiling to empower her clients to get a reliable read on someone within six minutes. My goodness, this is the lady that you need in your life. Today, she shares her wonderful journey. Welcome, dear Lily. Thank you for the lovely introduction. <laughs> You're very <laughs> welcome. <laughs> it's very impressive, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you sound fabulous. <laughs> you are fabulous. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lily, for coming on today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to um, uh, yeah, speak with you today. I'm just, yeah, so excited to go into all the different avenues of relationships, dating, and yeah. <laughs> this is something that's close to everyone's heart, isn't it? It's um, something that is, I suppose, eternal, that everyone, I think, in the world, it doesn't matter what they say, every single person in the world wants to find true love isn't it yeah it's so true we, I think um, we often forget and also suppress that we're driven for connection mm. and mm. you know it, it, we're, we're often told as well you know don't be needy or don't be desperate or don't be clingy or you know all these different things or don't be vulnerable when it comes to love but the truth is we're driven for this connection and also we deserve love we deserve to be able to be with someone who fully accepts us, who loves us unconditionally. And yeah, that's that's a, a very big acceptance in life, I think, um, that we deserve to be loved because so many people feel this strong feeling that they don't deserve love. Yeah. So, so true. And I think a huge part of that is down to having the clarity of knowing how to find it. Because hmm. when we have that fear of, you know, not finding the right person or not finding love or not being loved fully, and we don't know how to get it, we suddenly, we suddenly push ourselves away from even looking at it and having that as a dream or a goal. That's very true. Now, you're an expert, Lily, in what you do, but it had to start somewhere. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to take you a little bit back in your life. How did you begin this incredible journey, really, of setting up Love with Intelligence, which you can tell us about, and helping other people find love? How did it all begin? And what was your inspiration for that? Yeah, this is, this is quite a big journey. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So funnily enough, my, my background actually started off in accountancy. So it was like completely different and, uh, you know, one plus one equal two, you know. There's, not a, love, there's not a lot of love there, is there? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Only for calculators, but, you know, uh, <laughs> Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but back then when I entered in, um, you know, relationships and started doing dating, 
um, I met someone who I thought was absolutely perfect. You know, um, I often referred to the start of that relationship of, fe- of it feeling like a fairy tale. Um, I'd met a guy who was a police officer and um, he was you know, like this lovely alpha male who sort of did things that really, really lovely. You know, he, he took me, um, you know, planned a whole day for me to sort of visit the city that he was living in. Um, you know, it was all very, very magical in the beginning. And uh, yeah, that changed quite quickly. So going into that relationship, it was great. And it's then started to uh, develop some very, very um, narcissistic, manipulative traits. And um, I, I couldn't understand why this was happening. I was literally going on the, the internet. I was looking through loads of different blogs, you know, trying to figure out, okay, is it something that I'm doing wrong? Is it, is it my fault this is not working? And I couldn't, I literally just couldn't figure out what was going on. And, um, you know, fast forward um, uh, two and a half years, and I found out that he was cheating on me. And it was like, oh, gosh, okay, suddenly, re- you know, having these realizations of like, um, you know, all that text from the person that he had as PC, Lisa Jones, for example, mm. um, was actually someone that he was seeing and, and things like that. So you have these horrible realizations afterwards wondering, okay, what's going on? But also there were some narcissistic traits that were coming out. So after mm-hmm. that relationship, I was actually stalked for five years. <laughs> By who? Uh, by him or by someone else? Him. Yeah, I was stalked by him for five oh, years dear. after that relationship had ended. Mm. I didn't have a clue what to do. I thought I was doing the right thing. I'd, you know, blocked him on my mobile. I had, um, you know, stopped, you know, I didn't reply at all during those five years to his emails. You know, it was, um, you know, I thought I was doing all the right things. But uh, little did I know that I was doing the wrong things for that kind of uh, personality type. Um, That's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, ah. unless, um, I mean, I've had personal um, experience of stalking and it's one of the most horrific things I think that people can go through. Mm. And I'm very, very private as a person, even though I'm in the public eye like yourself, um, I'm very private and more so now because of that. And I think that unless you've gone through something like that, it's very difficult to understand the sort of terror that it can bring upon your life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, uh, for example, back then, I was even thinking about where I was parking at work. Can I actually, you know, run out and uh, plan my escape route in a a safe way? Mm. Um, I mean, he was traveling um, about 150 miles with his new girlfriends taking pictures of... um, uh, you know, mimicking pictures that we had taken as a couple before. (laughs) Or taking the same photographs that you had, but with her. Yeah. So I think we've got four photos practically of the same, uh, of the same kind of image, but of just Mm. women. (laughs) I know. know. And um, yeah, when I moved, um, I moved in with a new partner and um, literally within a week, I hadn't told anyone where we'd moved to. I'd only told, you know, friends, you know, a family, family knew and also one friend knew. And um, he actually took his girlfriend to stay in a hotel a mile away from our house the week we moved in so um it was just crazy absolutely crazy so what was this whole thing um about him stalking you why did you 
what was the reasoning and how did you eventually manage to stop it? Yeah, it's, it's control. So um, with narcissistic behavior, and this is something I didn't even know before at that stage, mm-hmm. they'll do something called hoovering. And uh, they can do this via emails. They can do this via social media, sharing pictures of where they are. Um, they can do it in so many different ways. And it's just a background thing, just sort of saying to that person, I'm here. I know that you know that I'm here. And what they're looking for is for you to actually reach out and engage. Whether it's stop it <laughs> or whether yeah. it's I miss you. <laughs> so there is a, there is, it's a very complicated um, personality type, isn't it? Um, and a very dangerous one. It can be a very dangerous one. That mm-hmm. a lot of people I think are in these types of relationships, but they don't even realize it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I um, previously mentioned about doing a poll and uh, most people know that they've been in a narcissistic relationship after the relationship, not during, which is really, really interesting. Um, but the funny thing is as well, like after going through that relationship, I started looking into things like NLP, hypnotherapy, coaching, mm-hmm. and uh, thought it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, but one thing I realized was with predators, you're not going to change their behavior by changing you. So, for example, um, a, you know, a sheep that has great self-worth and great confidence is not going to turn down a wolf. <laughs> you know, the wolf isn't going to go, oh, okay. That's well, a very that's good fine. analogy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know. Mm. And uh, so um, I started, I start, and I realized this in the most awful freaking of ways as well. So um, I ended up going out dating. I was single at the time. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I was messaging this guy. And, um, you know, you're just not feeling it. It's like, mm. yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just send messages just to be polite and, um, you know, see where, it, see where it goes, but just kind of know that it's not really going to go anywhere. And ended that conversation. The next day he tried to reach out. I just thought, I'm not going to respond. There's no kind of point. And then the following day after that, I suddenly get a massive bunch of roses delivered to my house. Now, bearing in mm. mind, this guy only had my first name. And he also only had a few pictures from me of, of, you know, of me from the dating profile. So somehow from just that information, he's managed to find out where I lived. And it's it was scary, actually. Yeah. So even mm. just going from like that situation where I stalked for five years to suddenly going in through that situation of um, someone just, you know, crossing boundaries, big style. And yeah. that's okay. And at that moment, my, I had a friend who was uh, a coach, um, like a trainer for Chase Hughes. And I knew that was around um, behavioral profiling, body language, a uh, deeper level of psychology. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just. I've heard of him. Yeah. He's quite, he's, well, not quite. He's very big, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Mm. Yeah. He's <laughs> very, very <laughs> impressive. Mm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so basically I sent a load of the screenshots, the messages, the guy's profile over to um, Chase. And all of a sudden I've got this um, instructions of what to do next. And it was really interesting because I sent this guy these, these messages to the guy that sent the flowers and I wasn't rude. I didn't just sit around and say, no, you shouldn't be doing that or leave me alone or block him or anything like that. Mm. 
I had the con conversation with him where he just lost interest. So it was his decision that he didn't want to pursue me anymore. And may I ask you what, because I know people out there are going to be saying, what did she say? Um, <laughs> what did you say? Get rid of him. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to dive into this a little bit more, but the importance is with this, it's tailored to person to person. So uh, when you're talking to these kind of people and we go through this profiling within six minutes, mm -hmm. you can understand someone's needs and fears. So basically, if you can't supply them with what they actually need and you're something that um, they detest, then they're, they're oh. not going to want you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yes, I understand from case yeah. to case, from personality to personality, it's different. But give us a small example, if you can, Lily, um, just to show us how it would work. You don't have to say about yourself. Let's take, I don't know, John and Nancy, for example. Um, give us a scenario so people can understand a little bit more about that sort of work. Yeah, okay. So let's say, um, for example, that John uh, is someone who's very much a family man and he likes to stay in one place, doesn't really go many places, and he's a very successful, loves a kind of luxury corporate lifestyle. And let's say Nancy, um, she portrayed herself as someone who could fit in that environment, but actually she was turning around and said, you know what, I want to go and travel. I want to go off and do go around the world in you know 90 days and want to... Um, go camping and be quite spiritual and and go into um you know earth healing and things like that that's something that's not it's not going to inspire john <laughs> no not at all okay. so if you're suddenly creating um a, a vision of yourself for that person that they're going to detest and repel and not want rather than just saying no and that's, that's wrong and i don't want to be with you it's suddenly their decision that's very clever, isn't it? <laughs> My goodness, it's so simple. Yeah. Um, but who would think of that? Unless you're an expert, of course. But it's such a good piece of advice, actually, I think. Yeah, because I think th the thing is with narcissists is the worst thing you can do is say no, because what they're looking for is control. And uh, I think another thing that people don't realise about narcissists is that the empathy part of the brain is underdeveloped. In so them. This, this has been scientifically proven. So what happens when uh, you don't have empathy? And you think about in terms of behaviours of we're driven by needs and fears, you know, there's, there's no need anymore. There's no need for love. There's no need for that connection. There's need for respect. There's need for, um, you know, kind of massaging that ego. But there's not for that connection. And this is something I, that, yeah, people... Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. But for the people out there, Lily, please explain what a narcissist is. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. So <laughs> it's someone who, yeah, basically lacks empathy to the point where they're looking for status they're looking for control and they're happy to almost treat someone like a resource rather than a person 
So when we're almost looking at a family dynamic, it's almost feeling like rather it being a family, it feels like a company or a business. Right. Okay. <laughs> Does that kind okay. of make- Yeah. It, um, <laughs> the experience that I've had with these types of people are also usually that they are, there's no other way to put it really, they can be quite sadistic and cruel mm-hmm. and they find great pleasure in giving other people pain yeah, and watching them suffer. And it somehow is their soul food in a very sort of distorted way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, I refer it to almost like the cat and mouse situation. It's almost yeah. like, you know, you, you're kind of playing with that mouse for a bit to see what happens. <laughs> um, but it's very interesting because um, uh, their personality types as well, we were talking about the way that they love power. You tend to find a lot of people um in leadership who are narcissists so leadership power um uh, you know anything anything even down to um surgeons um usually have a lot of uh, people who are psychopaths as, as great surgeons because they're able to um you know remove themselves from that personal situation and just get the job done without being emotionally involved um, yes absolutely so- i found that actually i have a few family members um who are surgeons and I'm not saying they're narcissists but what I know is they'd be very upset with me but they have a very distinct way to be able to as part of the job I suppose to mm-hmm. distance themselves um but that actually does run through then in their relationships whereas everything be- becomes matter of fact mm. yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it it's the way we kind mm. of like I do find that career tends to mould our identity. Yes. <laughs> it's very it's hard true. to split up family life and career life because it's all a part of you, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I, I, I had a friend who owned um, a business and he was totally in love with this business. And this business represented him. That was his baby. That was his child. That was... Oh my goodness. And I said to him once, what if you didn't have this business? Oh, wash your mouth out with soap. I said, no, really, what would happen? He said, well, then I don't know who I am. Mm. And that's so it's exactly correct what you're saying, Lily, because people have a facade, whether that be a business, whether that be a family, a career, whatever. I think a lot of people have these sort of um, castles in the sand. They're not really real, are they? And I think that's where the problem comes when it comes to dating, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, I always say to people, you know, what would happen if you didn't have anything at all? Who are you? You're not your title. You're not your gender. You're not your age. You're not your job. You know, all these different things. And I think when we've got things like social conformity, for example, Mm. of what people believe that you should do. It's almost like the written rule book for the people who don't know themselves. (laughs) So it's almost like giving people the opportunity to actually gain that awareness of, okay, what is it that you want? Is it, you know, what type of relationship do you actually want? Because I think dating has turned into something where you go out, 
and it's almost like um, I use the metaphor of like you're doing your weekly food shop you know you go out you're absolutely freaking starving you don't have your list of what food you need and mm. you're going to go in and you're going to go and get the uh, you know the extra offers you're going to go and put more chocolate and cakes and crisps and god knows what in there <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I know have- a new oven a new tv as well <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you come out, you come back, you, you, you eat all the, the rubbish, feel great within the moment, but then feel rubbish and feel depleted and feel like, oh, do you know what? I haven't got what I actually needed to make a good meal. Yeah, you feel like an old troll that's got a new cooker and a new TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Now, um, but let me tell you something, a quick story I wanted to tell you, which is always endearing. Um, to my heart um, I have a friend and she had her daughter and when she was little we asked her the same question and we would say what are you going to be when you grow up <laughs> oh I don't know mm, I could be a pilot I could be this I could be that and she was like about five years old Aww. I said and what about if you can't be any of those things and she said hmm well then I'm just going to love my cat and I'm going to be a little darling. Oh. And, <laughs> and I thought, how sweet, you're going to be a little darling. I said, is that what you are? That's what I am. I'm a little darling. So if you can't have a job, you can't do anything. No, if I can't do the job I want or I can't do anything, I'm just going to be a little darling with my cat. I think everyone and I, I think everyone should be a little darling <laughs> with their cat or their dog. I think that would be a rather nice world to live in, wouldn't it? I think so. I, th- I think it's that, isn't it? It's people reconnecting with their with their little darling. You know, it's kind yes. of we we do lose ourselves and lose our um our way of connecting because it's almost like we talk about that vulnerability piece you know people are so afraid to actually open up and be emotionally vulnerable and I almost interpret this as um you know it's so easy to give love because we know where it's coming from but when we're actually open to actually be able to receive love it becomes so much more difficult that's one of the best things I've heard all year actually Lily (laughs) that is so true because you don't know whether this emotion that's coming from other people how do you know if it's genuine love Mm, I love that question um uh, there's a few things Hmm. I think um uh, yeah I'll go I'll go for a few you know kind of tie into the story of how uh, uh, myself and my partner met um uh, I think one of the important things is knowing that you both have each other's best interests at heart and you don't even just say that, you act from that. Mm. Um, because when you have the right intention and you want to do the best by your partner in that relationship, even if something goes wrong or doesn't go as planned, at least you know the right intention's there. Um, uh, the other thing is trust. I think the foundation to any relationship is trust. And I think the most important element is when you're – with with trust, it means that you're getting the truth. And when you're getting the truth, it means you can make an informed decision. Mm. 
And I think with that, you can then have intimacy because you know that you're acting from a place of confidence and knowing that you're making an informed decision on, on that too. So it's like that clarity within where you stand in that relationship, that the communication, absolutely everything. And I think this is why I love the behavioral profiling and body language so, so much because you can see the truth in people. Tell us a little bit about that, because that sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because I think, um, so uh, to give you a little bit of concept, I think when mm -hmm. people go into relationships, they fall in love with the idea of the person. And it's so easy to do that. It's like, okay, I can see the potential in this person. I can see the potential with, of within um, uh, that relationship. When actually yeah. sometimes we're not seeing the person for who they are. And, uh, you know, vice versa, maybe they're not seeing you for who you are. So one thing I love around the behavioral profiling and the body language is that you can create this intimacy and you can also um, uh, read people better than a polygraph machine. So you can detect lies and detect if someone's being truthful. And if you like, I can share a few of those behaviors and things. Like oh, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So this is really important when you're looking at body language. So you always start with a baseline of how that person acts. So we're looking for things that are a little bit out of, um, out of character for that person. And we're looking also for clusters of three behaviors. So I'm going to share five. So whenever you see three of these behaviors, you can kind of get a feel of whether someone's being truthful or not. Okay. Yeah, so uh, because basically we're looking for stress within the body. Every time we lie, we have a spike of adrenaline and it needs to be released from the body somehow. And we do that through movement. So to start off with, we can have a look at blink rate. And this is how many times we blink our eyes um, per minute. So for example, on average, most people blink 12 times per minute. When we see a decrease in a blink rate, it means that person's really absorbed and really interested in what's going on. So whether that's watching a Netflix series, whether that's listening to a great podcast, it shows that that person's really engaged, even within a conversation. If that blink rate increases, it shows that person's either stressed or disengaging. So maybe if you're on a date, you're talking about your ex too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Uh, if it's coupled with a few other of these behaviors that I'm going to share, it could mean that that person's being deceptive. So that's quite a good one to look out for. Um, another one is when we itch our nose. And, uh, you know, facial touching or touching the nose can be such um, a high deceptive behavior when we see it because we're looking to reassure, we're looking to put a barrier between our face and the other person. Another one is something called lip compression. And this is where we just literally bite our lips together. So we just slightly just press them together. So it's almost like when we ask someone, um, so how's your job going? And they go, yeah, it's great. And then press the lips together, you know that they're holding something back. Um, and according to Greg Hartley, it's usually something emotional that we hold back when we compress our lips. Okay, because you do that, don't you? When you're trying to stop yourself from crying sometimes, you, exactly. bite, you can bite your lip because yes. it's 
I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've done it a lot of times and you just think, and I'm not going to say it, and you literally bite your lip. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly like that. It's, it's almost like a, a more subtle version, but it's exactly coming from the same place. So yeah, yeah I got yeah. that completely. The uh, other two... So um, when we have a look at the hands, when we're really comfortable, our fingers are extended. So um, whether we're talking with our hands or whether we're just, you know, placing them in our lap, our fingers, when they're comfortable, they're usually extended. As soon as we're stressed or threatened, we start to actually bring our fingers into our palms. So that's another little sign that you can look out for. And another one, is your feet. So if you're in a conversation, you're sitting in a chair, for example, and you're having a great conversation with someone and you're being really open, you're more likely to have your feet pointing at that person and also slightly extended out to that person. Mm -hmm. The other side, if you're not, you will actually draw your feet underneath your chair as far back as possible. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. So one thing that you can do, so let's say like um, a dating scenario Mm. and you're on a date, the person is sitting opposite you and you turn around to them and say, do you know what? I'm actually looking for a long-term relationship. I've had enough of the flings. I'm, I'm here for the long run. How about you? And they go, yeah, me too. And then suddenly blink rate increases. They itch their nose and they suddenly put their hands closed within themselves. That's going to give you a really clear indicator that that person wasn't being truthful. It's all very interesting, but also a very difficult game for a lot of people to play Mm. because Lily, it seems that these days um, everyone's playing some sort of a game. Yeah. Exactly. But who knows the rules? Nobody knows the rules. (laughs) It's so true. And I think this is a sad thing within Mm. the industry. I think there's, you know, you've got industries like, um, for example, the pickup artist industry. I think it's great. What's that? What is that? I don't know what that is. So that is where people are actually trained, um, mainly men, to go and pick up women for one night stands. And it's effective. Why do they do that? I mean, not why did they do one night stands, but why are they trained to do that? Yeah, um, I guess it's their own personal preference. I think um, it's it's interesting. <laughs> and they're, they're good. They're good at it. And if it's two consenting um, people, then fine, great. But um, you know, it's just something that we don't do. We love having the long run relationships but I think as well it kind of just shows that the extent of how you can manipulate a situation and you can take away people's choice because a lot of things like um you know the dating industry it's like the pickup artist industry it's things like say these 10 things to make him fall in love with you it's like you shouldn't have to make anyone anyone yes yeah I've seen that I've seen that with clients I've seen that with friends um Oh, but I've read this article and they say that if you do this, it's <laughs> definitely going to get you this result. And I think to myself, that's just a load of rubbish. Is it, Lily? Is it a load of rubbish? 
Yeah, yeah, unfortunately so. But you yeah, know, it's really so. interesting. With mm. those tactics, um, it's great in some sort of respect because when people use them, when they fit, when if they're rejected, they feel like the person's rejecting the tactic rather than them. And this is why people oh. like to be able to use them. It's like, okay, well, if they've, if they've just rejected, you know, rejected our relationship, well, it's obviously because I didn't do it right. All that tactic just didn't work for me. They're not rejecting me as a person. And then they go into another site and get another load of answers, which are total BS yes. and carry on the game with yeah. themselves. <laughs> yes. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, tell me, what inspired you to get into this industry? Yeah, I think it's because I wanted something that was ethical and I wanted something where people knew that they could actually meet someone who would love them for who they are at that identity level rather than what you wear, what you look like, what you do. All these things we try to do to impress someone rather than just connect with someone. I think that, I don't know, I might be totally wrong in this. I mean, I... I'm a firm believer in love Mm -hmm. and fairy tales and such like, and that's just me and that'll be me forever. Um, And I think deep down, I think everybody believes that, whether they admit it or not. Um, But in this day and age, what are you finding with the work that you do, for example, with all this that's going on in the world and people can't meet? How, what's happening how do people communicate? How do people get it together, so to speak? Yeah. So I think it's, it's interesting because a lot of people actually decided to put off dating completely. It's almost like, okay, well, I didn't, didn't get to meet that person physically, so it's no point, which is sad. Because that's you, very sad. Because if you think about it, they're basing that relationship on something that's physical. Hmm. And I think a lot of people have confused, you know, love with sex, which is intimacy. It's not about sex, unfortunately. You know, sex is the good bit. Um, uh, You know, you can enjoy that bit. That's yeah. Um, But, you know, people need to learn how to sort of create that connection without using their bodies, without using their bodies in that way anyway. So when we're actually connecting and going online, I think the first thing that's really important is like that shopping uh, trolley analogy. Know what you want. Know what's important to you. Because if you've got a really clear idea of what you want, then that's going to help you find it. You know, for example, um, if you close, if you look around your room and look for everything that's the color blue, and then close your eyes, and I say, okay, what what color? You know, um, what's pink in the room? you're going to really struggle because you've been searching for the blue. And it just shows that your subconscious of what you know that you want, it will hone in on it. It Your subconscious will say, okay, well, this person's honest or this person's trustworthy or this person's ambitious or this person's very family orientated. (laughs) You can start Mm. to find it because you've got that clarity of what you want. Um, Yeah. You know, what about if you know what you want? So say, for example, you know you want somebody, I don't know, who's a shepherd. Let's push it a little bit. Who's a <laughs> shepherd, he owns his own farm and he has his own goats and chickens. And unfortunately, he's not around. So people say, well, okay, 
I'll settle. Mm. Is that something that you would be totally against them doing? Yeah, I think it's it's where where's that settling coming from? Because I think as well, it's like, okay, people tend to settle where they feel like they're unable to find the real love that they're looking for. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but what type of love are they looking for as well? And I think um, the compatibility is something that I've researched quite heavily. <laughs> I've made my own little compatibility matrix. Um because I think as well, it's like knowing yourself well enough, but also knowing who you're actually compatible with as well. And I think it comes back to this clarity piece. People tend to settle when they don't know how to get something better. Like it's like you were saying about the shepherd. Oh, <laughs> the shepherd's unavailable. Okay, okay, I'll just settle for this person. And this is exactly what we do because they don't know the steps to be able to meet the right person for them and understand who's right for them. And is that where you come in? that you can help people know who is right for them and guide them through strategic steps, I suppose, in finding that. Yeah, I think with with love, it's got to be so personalised and so tailored Mm. to to you because at the end of the day, this is not someone who you're going to see for the weekend or go on a date on. It's someone that you're potentially going to spend the rest of your life with. And, uh, you know, the more compatible that person is, guess what? You're going to have more commitment. You're also going to have more chance of that lasting as well. Because often we another thing that tends to come up is people struggle to find someone who's going to commit. And uh, I almost refer to this as like, okay, if you're going to grab all your assets, all your finances, absolutely everything, and um, you're told to go ahead and bet that away on something that's really high risk, are you going to do it? And it's exactly the same with our emotions. If we feel like something's not going to be long-term or it's not going to be right, how on earth can we emotionally commit to it? But in this day and age, Lily, how do you know? Because there's so many people out there and I have a a friend of mine and she's an absolute, well, what can I say? She's a prolific dating person. She meets all sorts of people. I mean, before this whole thing, I think she meets them now anyway, but never mind. That's another story. Um, <laughs> and she meets all these people and is left totally unsatisfied mm. because they're not giving her that emotional, forget the sort of the sex part of it, because that's neither here nor there in these sort of yeah. connections, as we say. But they all say one thing to her to get her to where they want her. Um, And afterwards, Mm -hmm. it's all very disappointing. Mm -hmm. And I can see it coming, but she can't, because as you said, once you're out of it, then I think you can see something. Once you're in it, it's very difficult. Um, What about for people like that who are desperate for love, who will just go with anybody for it to be the one? How do you help somebody like that? Yeah, so I think the first question um, uh, that I would ask someone like that is I would just turn around to them and say, right, I've got your ideal person that you're meant to be with who's completely compatible with you, who's there. It's 110% guaranteed that you're going to have this long-lasting relationship. Are you ready for them, honestly? Because what we tend to find is usually a lot of the time they're not. And it comes back to this being able to give love, but being afraid to receive it. 
And I think when we're in that place to be able to be healed from any past trauma from relationships, usually that with those patterns, I find that someone's gone through quite a horrific breakup at some point that still needs to be healed. So that's a good starting point. And then going and, you know, then having a look at, okay, what's really important to them? You know, what's your, if you're going to actually cultivate and create your ideal relationship, what does that actually look like? And what sort of person would that be? And this is where we start to then take that behavioral profiling and say, right, okay, so if we're actually going to create this avatar of a person, you know, this is going to be the right personality type that's going to suit you. This is going to be their kind of like, you know, career or things that they're going to go ahead and do. These are going to be the things that they prioritize. And I know for a fact that this person tends to hang out in X, Y, Z. That makes it a whole lot easier to be able to go meet someone who's compatible. But how do you know, we were talking about trust earlier. Mm -hmm. How do you know if these people aren't just a bunch of liars? Yeah. So this is when we would literally take those body languages and, and talk about that. So we would go into things like, um, okay, so go into like, okay, you're actually looking for a long-term relationship, for example, and seeing if they're being truthful. Another thing that we can look at is um, we can look out for narcissistic behaviors. And these are very, very interesting. So we can have a look at Things like, okay, where's the conversation going? Are they constantly talking about themselves or is the conversation flowing where it's going in between the two? Um, uh, we can also have a look at things like, okay, can they accept the answer no? Because if they can't, it usually share, you know, it usually shows that there's a very highly narcissistic or controlling personality there. And that was something that I actually took from a book written by the guy who used to do all the security work um, for the White House in the US, which is incredibly interesting book. It was called The Gift of Fear. And it that was one of the main red flags that he brought out in his book. Um, another one is The Gift of Fear. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Everyone should read what, that. Book. What is that about? Tell us quickly. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to just bring you back to that a little bit. Um, what's the book about? That sounds fascinating. <laughs> it's amazing. I genuinely believe everyone should uh, read it because it's um, so informative. It actually talks about the uh, different toxic um, mentalities of people. So when we're looking at people like serial killers or psychopaths or narcissists or murderers or rapists, mm. it actually goes into the psychology of the way their minds think and how to ensure that you're not manipulated by those types of personalities. Wow. And what's the author? Do you remember the author at all, Lily? Um, I believe it's Gavin Dubeck. Okay. The Gift of Fear. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> do it it's a brilliant but sorry i interrupted you carry on <laughs> forget yeah, I'm saying, more people that read that book the better so i'm glad that you were uh, you asked me about that um so yeah another thing that you can look at for is um the one man up i'm um, sorry the oh, can't think of the statement for that now basically it's where they look for that status or how to improve their status so for example if you said to them oh do you know what? i broke my finger one day and they go well that was nothing i broke my leg you know they kind of look for that way to make sure that they're the one that's in power they're the one that's um, yes i've met people yeah. like that what, what <laughs> is that tell us about that you know well 
I've been through this. Well, so what? I've been through a war. Yeah. Well, I know, but we're all going through a war in ourselves, with ourselves. What is that when people try to, I suppose it's a competition mm-hmm. of some sorts. But tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine young children. It's a little bit like attention seeking. Ah, oh, okay. Like, look, look, me. I, I deserve the attention. <laughs> Give me the attention, please, me. <laughs> because they haven't had like attention that. in their life, I suppose, or they're just used to people. I don't know, bowing down to them. Yeah. So, um, so that behaviour. I think a lot of people tend to have a certain narcissistic trait somehow. So you can have people who do this who aren't narcissistic, but it's almost like, look at me. It's like, look, you know, I, I'm the important one. Let's bring the conversation back to me. I want you to talk to me about my experience. So it's kind of bringing people back to to them, and they're controlling that conversation then. Because how how difficult is it to be able to talk about your broken finger then? <laughs> well. It becomes irrelevant, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's what happens yeah. in those relationships. So when we're talking about narcissists, the, uh, the, the partner who's not a narcissist, almost a victim, I don't like using that word, um, you know, it becomes irrelevant. Mm, mm. And, and that's the way that sort of dynamic goes. So when we talk about the even the, the no, when we say no to that kind of personality type, it's not respected because it's irrelevant. <laughs> Yeah, it becomes irrelevant. I mean, in a way, it makes you feel irrelevant. And that's what I wanted to ask you, Lily, is that around certain people, we can all feel somehow irrelevant. And that, for me, is a great indicator to stay away from people like that, whether that be professionally or personally. But if someone makes you feel irrelevant and, you know, that you're not really important in your own right, because I believe that every single individual is important in their own right and has their own rights and their own beliefs. Um, How much is gut feeling important in all of this? Yeah, extremely important. Um, Mm. uh, We actually often get taught to ignore our intuition or gut feeling from a very young age. So, for example, you could probably remember a time of, um, you know, being a being a young child and saying to your mum or dad or whoever was looking after you, I don't like so-and-so and so-and-so. And they go, mm. don't be so silly. They're lovely to you or they're your family or that's your friend. And what this manifests into is us going, OK, I'll just wait it out. Maybe it's just me being judgmental. So our parents' voice will actually follow us all the way through adulthood. You know, every time we make a decision, we're almost hearing our parents' voice <laughs> say, okay, is that okay to say? Or that's, that, you know, that's not okay to say, or don't do this, or that's yeah. okay to do that. You know, we start to, uh, you know, take those behaviors on. So when we even see some of the red flags, we can turn around and go, oh, maybe they're just having a bad day, or maybe I'm just being a bit judgmental. And we can then start to (laughs) stop seeing that and carrying, carrying on further into that relationship. And if it's with a narcissist, it can, yeah, it's so easy to be drawn into that relationship for a long, for a long time. And that's a very dangerous position I remember saying to my parents well actually I still do say it to them I think that's the weirdo and they say (laughs) and they'll say 
right, okay. I said, I don't like that person. And I was a child at the time, but it was just something that I didn't like about them. And it's a funny story. We had a neighbor and um, he used to say to me, my mummy smack you. And I was only about five and we lived on a farm and he would come around the back and I had this little guitar and I'd had enough of him and he was much older than me. So he was maybe about 10 and he would be a bully. So I took a guitar and smashed it over his head. I did. <laughs> and my parents were like, why did you do that? I said, I told you he was weird, but you didn't listen to me. I mean, I'm not doing that. Thankfully, I grew out of that. But it's the same principle, isn't it? It's like, if it doesn't feel right, if that person doesn't feel, make you feel peaceful, something's niggling. I think it's really important, isn't it, Lily, to follow that gut feeling to follow that intuition it saved my life many a times in my life mm, it is it completely is I think people often you know lose that and I think um uh, this again was sort of something that was really great about the the body language piece because mm. when you're seeing that and you're getting that gut feeling for me especially when I had such a, a logical um, career with like accountancy it was yeah. easy for me to go oh yeah the logic agrees with that because <laughs> we yes. just logic ourselves out of emotions or out of things that, that that we feel which is crazy but this is kind of what society tends to dictate nowadays it's true and also um if you follow if you say to somebody um well actually my feeling is and they'll say, well, what proof do you have? Well, no, that's enough proof. My feeling says, don't do that. Um, and that should be enough, shouldn't it? If I say to you, well, Lily, you know, my feeling is, I, I don't want to do that, what you're suggesting. Um, that should be enough. It shouldn't be a case of, well, you're a bad person. I think this is the thing, is that people are afraid to be the odd one out. They don't want to be sort of segregated from people and they don't want to look bad but at the cost of their freedom and their sanity in a lot of cases yeah I think again this like comes back to um communication yes I think a lot of people um especially like the people pleasing type people my mum's a people pleaser I love her to pieces she's got a heart of gold <laughs> but I know for a fact that she really struggles to say the word no and uh, often it's like, okay, we have this fear of, like you're saying, letting people down, upsetting people. But it's also like, okay, how do you adapt and evolve to be able to say that in a way that allows people to feel happy and at peace with your answer? Yeah, that's, that's a lifelong training in a way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think a lot of it comes to also, tell me what you think about this, um, but unless we get to know ourselves unless we know that we want the shepherd and the farm as opposed to I don't know the stunt driver in Hollywood for example unless we trust our intuition enough to know what we really want I don't think then we can ever really be happy with somebody else I don't know what do you think about that yeah I think with with our life and our own personal development I always believe mm -hmm journey and I don't believe there's any like destination I think it's like this long-lasting rabbit hole of <laughs> things that we that we go through and delve into 
And I think with, um, I think it's like definitely so, so important to understand yourself. And I think the equal part of, um, the equal thing that's really important as well in terms of relationships is also being in a relationship where you both can grow as individuals and together. And, you know, nothing's static, nothing doesn't, st- you know, nothing stays still in this life. And I think this is the same with our personal development, our understanding of ourselves, our needs, all those different things. And I think as long as you, if you're on your own, that you've got the space to do that, or if you're in a relationship and you've got, again, got the space to do that, that's the important bit. Because as soon as you've got that awareness of your needs, of what you want and what you enjoy and who you are, you're going to be able to enjoy life in a whole, you know, new, different, amazing, <laughs> and empowering type of way. It's true. I mean, what you say, I absolutely agree with in that we're changing and we are changing in every moment you know, whether that be on a cellular level, a spiritual level, emotional, mental, physical, we never remain. Nothing remains the same in Mm. any given moment. Even the moment as we speak is in continuation of change and development. So I think also I read a book, you must have read this, um, The Road Less Travelled. It was a very famous book. Have you ever read that? I haven't. No. Okay. Down. Right. Have a read of that book. It's by M. Scott Peck. And I read it a long time ago. And this was really interesting. And he talks about it. Don't quote me exactly the words, but what he says that life is ever changing. And what you had as an idea once or a plan when you were, say, 18 <laughs> and say you're now 40, it changes. So we have to change that plan. It's like you're building a house. If it's not working to have it exactly according to plan, then change it. And I think that's where the secret may be in life is to accept that nothing remains the same and that we're consistently growing. And the person that we're with is also growing. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's just so, so true. I think, um, you know, I think the other side of this as well Mm. is also, you know, when people sort of look back, even like past relationships and there's shame and there's guilt. I mean, um, you usually find a lot of shame, especially in the toxic, narcissistic relationships. Mm. And it's almost allowing yourself to remember, well, you're a very different person now. You've up leveled that that person back then was someone who wasn't at your level or didn't have your level of understanding. So how could they possibly do anything different? That's fantastic, actually. (laughs) That is really good because that's right. I mean, you can't expect anyone to understand something if it's beyond their understanding. Mm -hmm. You can't force it. Yeah. And I think it's, I think the funny thing is as well, we, we expect so much from ourselves. We, we constantly want to approve. We constantly want to do well. But also there needs to be this level of acceptance and peace within ourselves of everything that we've done so far to get to this point. Yes, the peace and the acceptance of ourselves. And I've mentioned this before in, with one of my other guests, and it's about self-love. Mm. And um, it's a huge subject, of course. But, and I don't have the answers, I have to say, but <laughs> on a personal level, I have a friend, a very good friend of mine, and he always says, Mimi, 
you have a pain in your knee. Put your hand on your knee. And he does get on my nerves with it, but he's absolutely <laughs> right. You know, you know, when someone just, you just think, yeah, I know. Okay, love it. Yeah. Well, don't ridicule me. No, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm going to love it. And I actually do. I said, thank you um, for coming and telling me that there's a message from my soul that I'm not listening to. Mm. And I think that's one of the important things, isn't it? Is what's good for our soul? Is that something that you delve into at all, Lily? Yeah, I think um, it, I think there's so many different levels to this. It's almost like allowing people to tune into their own happiness. And I think when you've got um, you know things like going on like guilt, or when you've got things like you know not feeling worthy you know, you almost punish yourself on a subconscious way of taking away your happiness. So it's almost yeah. allowing yourself to tune into that and allowing yourself to even, you know, even witness the blocks or the, the um, resistance that's coming up um, around being able to either enjoy love or happiness or, you know, a great future that you're looking forward to. It's true. And I think your job is a very responsible one because you're dealing with one of the most important things, if not the most important things, that any human being that comes onto this planet, that's born onto this planet, is that is love. Mm. And your job is that of love in a way, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed, and, and thank you. But yeah, I think um, I think one thing that's just so prevalent and I, I wasn't quite ex expecting to realize this especially going into this kind of industry mm. is how many people haven't found it like even you know people in relationships now it's like okay how many people when you're looking around how many couples would you turn around and say Do you know what I'd love a relationship like this yeah so it's almost allowing people to actually realize okay what is actually love or find their own definition, at least, of, of what love really, really is. Yeah. Also, the interesting thing is, even when you start having a look at um, the journey of like, okay, someone dating and actually then going on to creating a family, the love of those parents or the interaction of those parents in the early stages of childhood will actually dictate the way that you connect and the way that you will have future relationships too. And this is something, again, that I've really delved into and um, uh, taken some real you know, research and time to really understand because even the simplest of things um, can change the way that we connect and actually cause certain relationship patterns, in, in, um, including, um, you know, certain arguments that you might have found that you've had in different relationships. <laughs> it's the same kind of theme, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. I also heard something similar to that. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but how you were, how one was in the womb, mm -hmm. and how our parents at the time our biological parents. I mean, I know some people then don't go on to live with them. I know every every situation is different, but whoever was the mother at the time um, and the world that she was living in all affects the baby. Mm -hmm. And I find that absolutely amazing because as a soul within 
another person's body, I suppose. And as you're growing there before you're born, that everything around the environment is actually affecting you and you can feel it so much so. I have a friend who's a practitioner in this, that your whole life, as you said with your example, can be affected by actually what you went through in the womb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for example, what do you, you know, you don't, you don't even have to say anything at all. Um, and you go and sit next to someone who's angry. Yeah. You know, what does your body do? How does your body feel? Especially if you've got like, a, you know, huge heart empathy. <laughs> um, yeah. And you think you've got that, you've got that person, little body, you know, little tiny person growing inside you who's actually been encapsulated in your emotions. It's true. It's tr- Are you an empath? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd just ask you that. That's what I thought, but I thought I'd ask you that. And the reason I ask you, if you don't mind me asking you, of course, is, is this. Has that helped in some way in doing the work that you do? Because empire, for people out there, you know, they are, they feel everything and everyone and every drop of a leaf that falls and how that leaf felt. And, you know, I'm exaggerating it maybe a little bit, but in fact, it's very true. Mm. So in a way, was this work something that you got into also that in a way that you could channel it to help other people in a way, I suppose, to give something beautiful to be born out of everything that you felt. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. I think um, one thing that I found with, um, you know, love was that I wanted the freedom to be able to love someone completely unconditionally without any reservations, without anything holding me back. I think a huge part of this was um, knowing who to trust because trust is a, a magical thing. It's amazing. And people don't um, appreciate it enough because, you know, they've been hurt before when they've trusted someone. But it's not trust that's done that. It's just trusting the wrong person. And um, uh, for me, when uh, I met my partner and uh, he said the words, I love you for the first time. And like you could see in his body language, he's being completely open and honest. He's always said to me about like, um, you know, having the best interest in heart for our relationship. You know, you suddenly got that freedom to love that person completely, unconditionally, without any reservations. And that was something that I wanted, you know, for everyone. Because I think that was something that I desperately wanted at the very start of my journey before learning this. And uh, I ended up obviously falling in love with the wrong people, which is, you know, awful. You know, when you go through a breakup, it's soul destroying because with a relationship, it's about two people working together. And all of a sudden that one person doesn't want to work with you anymore to have a healthy relationship. Mm. It's one of the most difficult things, isn't it? I suppose when you love somebody and I suppose also being um, the person that you are, Lily, which is very giving and kind and loving and being an empath, you can pretty much tell the BS, can't you, from people? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know, you've got a radar there that's going on consistently and you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. 
you know, so that that's a little bit of a, a handy thing to have, isn't it? Yeah, so completely, <laughs> completely. Because I think as well with um, with using empathy, you can see almost the previous version of you within people. Yeah, and it's you very, know, very true. You know exactly what the thought patterns are. You know exactly the the dreams, fears, desires, all those different things, and the elements that are holding you know holding that person mm. back because you know that you were there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. You're absolutely amazing, and I would love you to come back on again, and we can delve deeper into some of the things because it's an extraordinary subject. <laughs> And um, you have so much knowledge about it, Lily. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I've absolutely loved this. And yes, any time I'd absolutely love Wonderful. to dive into this. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we go, before we go, sadly, um, but happily also, because we've had this wonderful opportunity to hear and to feel everything that you are offering into the world. If somebody wanted to come to you, um, let's have an example. So, so that people are clear on what you're offering, what can you help them with? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So um, one of the main things is supporting someone to go ahead and meet a uh, loving partner who's right for them. So I take people through an eight-week process. And the other thing is supporting people to heal from narcissistic um, uh, abuse and narcissistic relationships and mm -hmm. also how to move forward um, confidently to meet the right one. Okay. And how do you do that? Is it on a one-to-one -one basis or in a group or how does it work? Yeah, I, I work one-to-one. -one. I like things to be personal. <laughs> I like people yeah. getting the, the best of me and also I get the best of them in that way. And it, it makes, it, the nice thing is it ensures that everything's tailored because no one's story is exactly the same. So uh, yeah, I do lots Isn't of that wonderful that we have such wonderful and magical and sad and joyful and complex stories and each one of us is this whole universe aren't we yeah completely completely you know everyone um, you know has different different ways of seeing things and go through different experiences and uh yeah I think sometimes we all need a different way to break things down in a way that we can see things clearly heal move forward and love Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I love it. Now, how can people get hold of you, Lily? What's the best contact um, page or website or whatever? Yeah, so um, yeah, definitely check out our website. So that's lovewithintelligence.com. Um, we've got loads of resources on there, which you can check out. So I think we've got a free training on how to meet the right one. We've also got a free training on healing from narcissists and going ahead to meet the right one. And we've got loads of blogs um, and also a Facebook group as well that we do weekly um, live trainings in. So Oh, what's the Facebook called, the group? Um, that's Love with Intelligence as well. And that's Love with Intelligence. Now, I saw you have somebody else with you. Is it, a, is it your business partner or your partner? Who is the other person? <laughs> that's my partner. <laughs> that's just me being nosy. No it's, no, it's not just that. Because people will see two people 
um, there. So I don't want them to be surprised if, you know. Um, so that's your real partner in life. That's my real partner in life. Wow. So um, he's a behavioral profiler as well. He's um, a hypnotist, coach. So we, yeah, work together to go ahead and support people. And the nice thing is we've got the male and female perspective. That's excellent. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> Come, you should both come on, actually. I'd love to have that. you both on because I'd like to see also the male perspective on it all. So, yes, I'd absolutely love that. And I know Jonah would love that as well. <laughs> yeah, so you're invited. Always an open door for you, you. Um, to come on. Now, I always ask my guests this at the end. And I think it's important also um, because I know from the feedback that I get, is that everybody has their own unique, special wisdom and insight. And everyone's story, as we said, is different. So in a few sort of, you know, lines, Lily, what would you say to people out there that are feeling hopeless, that they feel they can't find love, that they feel they've been through too much with maybe not so good partners? What's your advice? That's something that's helped you along as well. Yeah, I think number one, just knowing that you deserve to be loved, accepted 110% for who you are. Never for what you do, what you say, what you wear, just for who you are as a person. And I think as number two, I think it's believing in yourself. You know, always have always have a goal. No, you know, know roughly what you desire in life and go for it and believe with it, believe in yourself. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> if only we could etch those words onto our heart. I know. I, I genuinely believe that as well. Me too, <laughs> me too. Oh, I want to ask you something. One thing that's really and this is just me being curious. Do you believe in destiny? Oh, yeah. In a weird way, yes. I believe that. I believe that we have a destiny. Uh, destiny. I believe that we are guided if we ever go off course. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I believe we've, we've got our. I believe that we can make our own decisions where we can, uh, you know, go off course and do things a little bit differently. But I think we're always guided to where we're meant to be. And do you think that also applies to love? That we are, I suppose, destined to meet the one? Do you know what? I like to think so. I yeah, really, me too. Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> me too me too how lovely <laughs> well thank you so much it's been absolutely fabulous to have you here Lily really it has well thank you I've absolutely loved this so thank you so much it's a pleasure and I hope that a lot of people can take a lot of benefit from this and oh one more thing how can they get in contact with you through um the contact pages of um love with intelligence etc yeah, they can find um, uh, my email address on there. It might be the easiest way. Otherwise, it's Lily um, Wolford at lovewithintelligence.com. Okay, excellent. I'm excited because it's so rare to find people that still are in sort of this wonderful, um, beautiful fairy tale 
that love still exists. How amazing. Keep shining that amazing light of yours. Oh, thank you. Oh, and come back again. I'm waiting for both of you to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, we would love that. So thank you so much. (laughs) All right, then, Lily. Take care. And you. Thank you. All right. Bye. 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 Lily Walford, how fascinating, what an interesting lady, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today and um, remember that it is love that finds us. Until next time, look after yourselves and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovik.co.uk.